0: we're going to continue our summer series on Ruth next week, but this is going to be part two of Faithful. Uh, For any sermon notes, if you guys want sermon notes, all you got to do is just email info at bridgechurch.cc, and we will send you any of the notes. Just tell, uh, just in the the email, just let them know uh, which week you want notes from. So where are you holding on to faith right now in your life? Maybe you have been waiting for years for God to answer a prayer, and you're hanging on by a thread right now with your faith. Maybe you're single, and, you know, 30 has already passed. Maybe you're in your 40s, whatever it is. You've been single. Um, You know, maybe you've always been the best man, you've been the bridesmaid, but you've never been the groom or the bride. And you're kind of wondering, okay, God, when when are you going to answer that prayer? Maybe you are married. uh, You and your spouse have been married for a long time. And you have been trying to have a baby. And it hasn't happened yet. And you're holding on faith, saying, God, I trust you. um, But time is ticking as well. Maybe you... Are fighting cancer right now or you have a loved one that is fighting cancer and you're just asking God you're holding on to faith that hopefully the last chemo treatments that you went through or your loved one will be the last one they'll have to go through in this life and they won't come back again maybe you have an addiction or you have uh, a family member maybe maybe you have uh, a child that has an addiction Uh, Maybe it's to uh, drugs or alcohol or uh, pornography, uh, sex addiction, whatever it is. And you're wondering, you're you're just just holding on to faith that God is going to answer and he's going to free you or he's going to free your loved one. Maybe you uh, continue to look at your checkbook and it just keeps on bouncing and the bills are piling up and you wonder when God is going to show up and give you a financial breakthrough because your faith is about that thin right now in that area. Maybe you're separated from your spouse right now and you're holding on to faith hoping that you guys will be reunited once again. And not only just you'll be reunited but but you would come together once again and your marriage will be stronger than it ever was before or maybe it's a job maybe you've been maybe been waiting on a job for months or years and and, and you're holding on to faith that that God is going to provide you with a job and not just not just just a paycheck but something that you can enjoy and something that you can use your your gifts and and uh, and just come alive in as well I mean I remembered uh, nearly six years ago when when I moved here and tried to get a church started in Raleigh, and that fell through. And and I found myself at 30 years old uh, with a master's degree, uh, living with my in-laws. I was married, and I had one child at a time, and I was waiting tables at Ruby Tuesday. And I knew that God had something more for me with a master's degree. No offense to any waiters or waitresses in here. But I didn't go to school, and I didn't get my master's to pick up, literally pick up food off the floor. And I waited, and I, and I just you know, trusted God, and he, and he showed up, and I, and I was able to get a job here uh, at the bridge. What I want you to be reminded of with this sermon is God is faithful to his promises. God is faithful to his promises, whatever you're going through. Last week, we talked about how faith must be nurtured. And we looked at, at, at uh, several things, but three of the things I want to talk about that I want to kind of dive in and dig in just a little bit more tonight is one is you have to feed your faith. And Romans 10 talks about faith comes from hearing the words. So You've got to feed your faith. You have a responsibility. You are as close to God as you want to be. You're, you're as close to God as you want to be. So we have a responsibility in growing in our faith. Second, I said you need to flex your faith. James 2 says, Faith without works is dead. Don't tell me how much you love God. Show me how you love God by your actions, by your lifestyle. You know, I I would rather see a sermon than hear a sermon any day. Thirdly, we talked about fellowship your faith. And in Romans it says, Be encouraged by each other's faith. So if you think that you can do this Christian faith on your own without being a part of a church body that is totally against Scripture and you're totally deceiving yourselves. Because I have never seen anyone committed in their faith who is not committed to God's church. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. So someone's faith who was nurtured was Joshua. And so I want us to take a look at the life of Joshua and his faithfulness to God, especially in one particular situation, but more importantly, how God was faithful to Joshua and kept his promises to Joshua and the Israelites. Now, you have heard this saying before, there are two things that are certain in life, death and taxes, or taxes and death, whichever one comes first. But I want to add a third thing that you can be certain of in this life, that God is faithful to his promises. Let me give you a little overview on the life of Joshua. Joshua was born as a slave in Egypt. Joshua went through the exodus in in Egypt. He saw God part the Red Sea. Joshua was a close aide to Moses. He was permitted to accompany him part of the way up to Mount Sinai when Moses received the Ten Commandments from God. He experienced wandering the desert, desert with the rest of Israel for 40 years. He led the destruction of Jericho. At Gibeon, Joshua and the Israelites faced an alliance of five different Amorite kings at one time. And Joshua asked Yahweh, he asked God, to cause the sun and moon to stand still so he could finish the battle in daylights. And God answered, and he, and he hurled huge hailstones from the sky, which killed more Canaanites than those which Israelites slaughtered. Sometimes do you wish that God still worked that way? He does. You know, dropping a huge hail, piece of hail on someone that was being mean to us or evil. I don't know. So. Um, See, that's not a very loving, Pastor. I don't know, sometimes it's just I'm just we're just speaking truth tonight, okay? I mean I'm a human here. Uh, Joshua led the Israelites on their campaign to take the land that God commanded them to live in. In all, six nations and 31 kings fell to Israel in battle. I would say that God was faithful and kept His promises. Six nations. And 31 kings could not stand up against Israel. Before Joshua's death at 110, died at 110, he admonished God's people to be loyal to their God. So that's a little background on Joshua. Uh, I want to look at a time when Joshua's faith was really tested. And so I want us to look at numbers 13, and we're going to look at 17 and 20. So if you got your Bible or your phone app, pull that out, and uh, I'll let you get you situated while I'm going to have a drink of water here. All right, so um, those of you that may be uh, new to Scripture, uh, Genesis, Exodus, you got Numbers, Deuteronomy, I'm sorry. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, mm. busted, busted, man. Hey, I've been, I've been, I've been trying to finish this up all day long. Give me, give me a break here. All right. So Numbers uh, 13, and then we're gonna start with uh, with 17 through 20. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, "Go up through." Negev, and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first uh, ripe grapes. Now, when they come back, it says that the grapes were so huge that it took two men to put just one single grape on a pole. That's how big it was. Could you imagine going to Harris Teeter with your spouse, and you just have to make one trip to the car because you just, just the grapes are so big? I mean, you think people would be like, "Wow." Those are some grapes right there. Some some grapes on steroids. Um, Let's let's jump over to um, 26 through 33. This is the report, report of the exploration. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land... ...which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, here is his fruit. But the, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites lived in Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites lived near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said... We should go up and make possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land. They had had, uh, explored. They said the land was explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So here you have the spies that have been sent out with Joshua and Caleb who are trying to evoke fear to their very own people, to their very own people. Let's continue with 14, 1 through 10. The people rebel. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the desert, why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Because obviously the leader in Moses, who led them out of Egypt and got part of the Red Sea for, wasn't good enough. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunim, however you want to say it. We'll just butcher it, make it sound good. Who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes, the land we passed through and explored it exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. It's interesting, as I read in verse 3, how they're saying, wouldn't it be better for us to go to Egypt, where we were slaves, and we had to work day and night, What are they thinking? How is that better than what God has in store for them? Maybe you have stepped out in faith in a certain area of your life, and it's getting hard. And you want to go back to maybe your Egypt. You want to go back to when it was easier. Because living the Christian faith is not easy. It's no cakewalk. It's not for the faint of hearts. And just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's not from God. Just because it's hard right now for you. Verse nine. Jonathan, I mean Joshua and Caleb say, "The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid." Um, last week it was Father's Day weekend, and we honored the dads. And I was thinking about the different roles of mother and father. When I think of the um, uh, the mother, I think of the nurturer. You know, I think of, of my wife and just how gentle she is with with uh, with our kids. And I mean, I just I, sometimes I just stare at her and be like, "Wow, she is she's just awesome." And and I and I picture how God is that way with us, how He's just so tender with us. And then I look at the father's role, and I see I see the father's role as like the protector and the risk taker. All right. Um, there's a young guy who lives in my neighborhood who drives around like crazy. And he drove, he's, it's about it's a about, it's 25 mile speed limit. He came around the curve uh, a couple weeks ago going over 60. And uh, I went not go down to his house to talk to him. Um, and uh, he was home, but I, I, uh, we called the cops. And um, to try to take care of that. Because if my, kid, if my kids are walking out of that driveway and he hits them, I probably won't be your pastor anymore. I'm guaranteeing you. I mean, I'm 5'7", 135 pounds, but I wasn't all county in football for nothing. All right? I'll tackle somebody and, and pummel them. Um so I think of the dad's role, um, and he's he's the risk taker, and and uh, you know when my when I was growing up, I, I you know I loved sports, and my dad liked sports, and so he he would always push me. He was um, he was my uh, little league coach, and and I remember in football, he'd he'd always just you know he'd be, he was my number one fan. He'd always be you know go get him, Jared, go get him, hit him, hit. I mean just you know just that 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 how that father's supposed to be, you know, and um, and then I, I'm my kids are my. My my two oldest boys are doing swim lessons right now, and 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 so I want them. I want to make sure that they're fish in the water, and so, so I'm saying, man, go in the deep end, jump in the deep end, and, and 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 you know we're getting lessons, so I'm like, all right, you know, let's let's take some time, and let's learn, and and just continue, continue to practice, and um, but I want them to take risks. I want them to grow as uh, as young men, and um, and they know they know that. Daddy's right there, and if anything happens, I'm jumping in, and I'm going to get him. When daddy is around, don't be afraid. When daddy is around, don't be afraid. Who's your daddy? God. God's your daddy. Don't ever be afraid, because he's always around. Never be afraid. So let's look at the first point uh, faith must be nurtured you got to feed your faith you got to feed your faith um, of course they're in the Old Testament they didn't have Bibles in the Old Testament like we do but they did have the writings uh, of which from Moses which probably included Genesis parts of Exodus and of course they had the Ten Commandments as well they did share God's faithfulness faithfulness vocally and it dominated their conversations um, do you you guys remember like when your parents, and grandparents shared their faith stories of how when God showed up and you would just kind of sit there and listen to them, and, and they would just share great acts of faith, how God came through. I mean, I, I love hearing those stories. And, 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 and you're going to get an opportunity to pass those down as well. But Joshua remembered God's promises that he would deliver his people from Egypt, he remembered all the plagues got them, God brought them upon the, upon the Egyptians as Pharaoh became more defiant. He remembered the exodus when God parted the Red Sea and swatted up the Egyptian army. He remembered how God was with Israel as they already defeated the Malachites. Joshua remembered that God had promised that they would enter the land of Canaan. One of the reasons we sometimes live in fear is because we have forgotten what God has already done. We have forgotten what God has already done, and so we live in fear. After the death of Moses, God speaks to Joshua. And I want to read this. If you want to turn to uh, Joshua 1, and we're going to read 5 through 9. I think we have it up on there in the screen. So. Um, It says, so no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. We read that several times throughout the Bible. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your forefathers to give to them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. you know God wants to wants you to be successful? He wants you to flourish in this life, not just survive. Keep the book of the law always on your lips, meditated on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I mean, how many times is that saying, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Whatever you're going through right now, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Your daddy is there. Your daddy is there. We need to learn to let the scriptures dominate our emotions of discouragement and frustration. Some of you are dominated by your emotions of discouragement and frustration. But you need to be dominated by what the scripture says, who God is, and what the scripture says, who you are as his child. You need to saturate saturate yourself in the Word. I listen to to sermons all the time. Um, I listen to sermons in my car. I listen while I'm washing dishes. Uh, Two of my uh, favorite uh, preachers that I'm listening to right now is J.D. Greer out of Summit Church. I encourage you to to download the app, Summit Church. Listen to him. Um, And then the other one is Judas Smith. And he is with the City Church out of Seattle. He is a nut. You will love him. He's crazy. Um, but those two guys I listen to pretty regularly, and, and so does my wife. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just cool that we listen. To, we You know, even though I, m- I maybe listen to, to the message in my car, and Sabrina listened to it while she was working on her computer, we're both listening to the same message. And so it's uh, so that's another cool thing, too, is, is to kind of talk about, man, did you hear what, Ju- what Judy just said, you know, recently? Um, worship music. You need to saturate yourself. Uh, with encouraging things. I'm, I mean, I'm listening to worship music all the time. Now, occasionally I get ticked off, and I have to listen to 100.7, because um, that's just how I roll, man. I got to get some aggression out, you know, but then I'll quickly put it back to 92.3. Once, on, once I'm cool with that. Uh, hey, can I be real tonight? Can I? Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, because uh, I know a lot of you listen to 100.7, and I'm just saying, you know. Um, grow in your knowledge and intimacy with God. Grow in your intimacy and knowledge with God. Sabrina and I are going on a decade this year of being married. And, um, yeah, all right. Yeah, a couple people. Hey, that's big to us, man. I know some of you have been married like 60 years, but you got to start somewhere, right? And uh, so I want to grow in my knowledge and intimacy with Sabrina. You're, say- you're saying, I think you guys got the intimacy part down because you got four kids. I understand that. But I want to grow and and I want to know my wife more now than ever before. And and I'm not just talking into, when I talk about intimacy. It's not just you know guys always think about sex. It's you know, but there's so much more to intimacy. There's uh, this emotional. Uh, there's this, th- listen. I'm I am more in love with my wife now than I was 10 years ago when I said I do. And and I and I and, I, and I'm hoping and I know. Because I'm gonna continue to pursue her, that 10 years from now, I'll be more in love with her then than I am now. And the same should be with our relationship with God. We should be growing in our knowledge of God, growing in our intimacy with God. Another way you feed your faith is through your prayer life. Uh, prayers are so much more than requests. Um, man, right now, I'm kinda struggling with my prayer life, just to be honest with you guys. And I just feel like when I, every time I come to God, I just feel it's always just requests. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I want my prayer life to just be so much more than just, God, can you do this? Can you do that for this person? Can you do this for the church? Whatever it is. And, and I was talking with, uh, with a counselor, and he was saying that, you know, prayer, it becomes conversation with God throughout the entire day. So it's not just like, you know, setting a setting time aside is good. But that's not all that prayer is, you know. So in the car, when you're washing dishes, whatever it is, throughout your day, you're talking to God. You're communicating with God. And it's, it's, it's mindfulness of God's presence. Mindfulness of God's presence. If you were more mindful of God's presence throughout the day, just think how more intimate you would be. I mean, man, there could be a half, like half the day goes by and I didn't even think about God. So, just creating, uh, just being mindful of God's presence. When one person said that prayer isn't about changing God's mind, it's about changing your heart. Prayer isn't about changing God's mind, it's about changing your heart. Craig Rochelle, uh, Life Church, says general prayer will not move God to specific action general prayer will not move God to, sp- to specific action. So in your prayer time, are you just giving God just blanket just general prayers? Listen. I want my kids to, my kids I want my kids to tell me what they want. Sometimes it's a little bit too much. I'm like, "All right. But I want my kids to tell me." And we should be the same with God. We need to be specific with what we are asking God to do. And if you're God's child, I just encourage you to be bold, because he wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask him for. So in your prayer life, start being bold. Start being specific. Flex your faith. Joshua had many opportunities to flex his faith and show his, fe- his fellow Israelites where his faith was, even when their faith was wavering. God didn't just give the Israelites the land. They had to go after it and literally fight for it with God on their side. I love what uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick says. He says, if you've never faced an enemy of God, you would never experience God's victory. Where there is no opposition, there is no opportunity. Where there is no opposition, there is no opportunity. You do the natural, trust God for the super. You do the natural, trust God for the super. So what do you need to be trusting God right now for the super? You have a a role and a responsibility to take a step of faith in whatever it is. He goes on to say, until you believe God is with you and for you, Fear and hesitation will characterize your life. Until you believe God is with you, that daddy's always watching, and he cares about me, and he's not going to let anything happen to me that doesn't get his approval first. Until you believe God is with you and for you, fear and hesitation will characterize your life. Does fear and hesitation characterize your life right now? Um... I was telling you about how uh, I'm teaching my my kids how to swim. And, um, you know, we started off in the kiddie pool. All right. The kiddie pool was, uh, you know, about this high and about this wide. And that's where we started at. Now, if my kid is 20 years old and still floating in the kiddie pool, something's wrong. I messed up as a dad somewhere. Um, I think about Christianity and I think of kiddie pool Christianity how many believers are okay staying in the kiddie pool because it's safe in the kiddie pool but that's no life to live and to go deeper I mean how much more fun is the deep end you know you never know what you got how much more fun is the ocean? Not real fun right now with the sharks that are happening right now. <laughs> but, uh, but I love, I mean, man, have you ever, you know, I just, you know, going to the, o- going to the beach with four kids is ins- insane. Uh, but uh, occasionally when we do it, when we have the grandparents, because we're not going to do that on our own, um, I just love just looking out and seeing the vastness of it. And um, Sometimes what I do is I'll have like a little boogie board and I'll just go way out there and I'll just float on my, on my boogie board and just looking out and just let the waves kind of kind of rock me. And, and I just, man, I just praise God. And, uh, you know, that was a lot more fun than the kiddie pool is. So can your, is, your, is your faith right now, can your faith be characterized by being in the kiddie pool? And, and if it is, let's help you take your next step. Let's help you grow deeper remember the greatest leaders suffered the most from the people in scripture whose faith inspires us to those in maybe the last hundred years that endured and, st- and, and endured that and, and stood the test maybe people of our generation right now who we admire and have been encouraged by you know i think of pastor farrell and and, and celebrate 25 years last week and uh, man I, I i'll talk to people and they're like man He's got, he's, got it, he's got it made, Pastor Farrell. I'd love to have his job. He's got 22 staff members. All he's got to do is just prepare messages. You don't have a clue, buddy. You don't have a clue what he has endured as a leader for 25 years. I would not want that man's job. And someone said one time, don't desire what someone has Until you realize the sacrifices it took to get them there. Remember Joshua. We think of Joshua and and these great acts of faith. But you know what? Joshua wandered in the desert for 40 years with the Israelites as well. He was a slave in Egypt as well. Before he entered the promised land. Fellowship your faith. It's not just surrounding yourself with people, but people who are totally in love with Jesus. I want to surround myself with people who love Jesus more than I do. And the Israelites, Israelites were fickle in their faith. They're, you know, they're crossing the in the Red Sea one minute, and then making a golden calf to worship the next. I mean, they're all over the place, just like we are sometimes. When everyone else is going with the current of the world, are you willing to go against it? Are you willing to go against it? Do you want to live a life that pleases people, or do you want to live a life that pleases God? Someone wrote that he who lives by the approval of others will die by the absence of the same. He who lives by the approval of others will die by the absence of of the same. Being a people pleaser, and I know we got some people pleasers in here, because I can be that way a little bit. Uh, Being a people pleaser can become an addiction, and it's idolatry. It's idolatry, because it just consumes you, and it controls the way you live. And God doesn't want that for your life anymore. He wants you to stop being a people pleaser and please him. Please your creator. We were never meant to do it alone, and we can't do it alone. You need a Moses and a Caleb in your life. All right, I have, I have, I have a Moses in my life, someone that I, that I look up to someone that, that I respect greatly, and I got, I got a bunch of Caleb's in my life, people, guys, that, that, that are, that are you know, maybe my age, and, and, and we're doing this together. All right. You need a Moses and a Caleb. If you don't have that, pray for God to bring those people into your life, because he will. He will. You know, Sabrina and I want our kids to see us committed to Christ in his church, And they need to see us having deep friendships with others. My kids need to see dad has close friendships with other godly men. That occasionally we do stuff together. My kids need to see their mom, my wife, have intimate friendships, godly women in her life. They need to see that. Your kids need to see that. Your grandkids need to see that you have those relationships in your life. If you don't have that, then pray about it. And if you still don't have it, you may you have to ask and wonder why. Why I don't have that? Is it because I want to stay in the kiddie pool, and I don't want to have friendships that hold me accountable and challenge me and help sharpen my faith? Let me finish up here. Imagine how different your life would look like if you would go back to God's promises, whatever you're facing in life. Whatever happens in a few years from now, whatever happens in a decade from now, whatever happens, because man, life is tough, and there's going to be stuff that comes your way that's going to totally knock you off your feet. But when that happens, you're going to have the opportunity to go back and look at the promises of God in his word imagine if you stepped out in faith for God and did what he has been putting on your heart for you to do for years imagine what your life would look like imagine if you got out of your comfort zone and pursued deep Christian friendships with others how differently your life would look and could look. I was I was talking with someone recently and they're saying, Man, you know, I just I just need to be around here at the bridge because it's so easy for me to just stay home and kind of just be like a hermit crab, you know? And and that's my listen, man, I I am not an extrovert. I know you're you're probably thinking, What well, really? Because you're like you get a little crazy on the stage there. Um, it, this drains me, all right. Being in front of people and, and being around people, it, it it is. I need to go home and I crash when I'm done preaching. When I when I pre- last week I preached three times. This week I'm preaching three times. I mean during the during the Sunday service, between between the nine and eleven a.m. service, I have to go to the back alley and just have some time to myself. It's not easy for me, but God has called me to do this, and so so I need to get out of my comfort zone. I need to rely on His strength, and and use the gifts that He's given me to influence people, to to, to be an encouragement. Listen, God God has given you spiritual gifts that He wants you to use, and if and if you just stay home and 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 don't don't make yourself vulnerable then God is not going to be able to use you to impact people's lives. Don't you want to be used? Don't you want to be used to be an encouragement to someone? I know you do. God is faithful to his promises. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love them, who have been called according to his purposes. I just heard Pastor Brad Cooper share this about this verse. I said, God works all things good for those who love him. So Pastor Brad said, if it's not good, it's not over. If it's not good, it's not over. So what in your life right now does not look good? To God, it's not over. However bad It looks right now in your life remember God makes all capital A L L all things good no matter what horrendous thing you experienced no matter uh, what tragedy you you experienced God makes all things good like Moses Jesus delivered us from bondage and slavery to sin. And like Joshua, Jesus will bring us into the eternal promised land and everlasting Sabbath rest. This life isn't all that there is. God wants to deliver you from your sin, from your past mistakes, and from your regrets, and from whatever happened to you. And he wants to take what you think is bad and what the world thinks is bad and turn it into good. I don't know when he's going to do that, but that's a promise he'll they, keep. He promises a love and a peace you will never be able to find anywhere else or from anyone else. He longs to spend eternity with you and will move heaven and earth just to show you how much he loves you. Let's pray.